Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. And we're back for another exciting edition. And as always, if you're loving our content, and I hope you are, go to Sherwood.tv where there's free resources there. You can subscribe, find out who and what's coming up on our podcast, speaking engagements, events, uh, all about our clinic, et cetera. So I hope you go there and subscribe. Well, if you re- if you remember in one of our recent podcasts, we talked a lot about considerations for vaccines, uh, you know, like the immune considerations regarding immune resiliency. And I promised you in that discussion, we were also talking about mechanism of actions and vaccines, the mRNA and the ingredients. And I promised you I would do a podcast on some medications that are often touted today as a cure. And you're gonna be shocked at what effects they have in the human body. So hold on to your hat because I'm gonna dive into all those in this edition in great, great detail. So I want you to get your pens out and begin to jot down some things because this is gonna be information you need to have because we have been asked multiple times by people that we know very well, will you prescribe these medications? And we say, well, do you have any symptoms? And they say, no, I just want to prescribe them prophylactically, which means I want to take them all the time because I heard they will stop and cure the coronavirus. Okay, before I go into these medications, and I'll tell you right now what the medications are going to be, they're going to be as follows, budesonide, which is in this case an inhaled corticosteroid that's been touted, even on this show before, Um, azithromycin, I'm going to talk about that ivermectin, and finally, hydroxychloroquine in that order. I'm going to talk about those things and what the mechanisms are, what they do, and what is pulled out from a nutrient status from those things. Now, before I dive into that, before I go there, I want to talk a little bit about mindset and why looking for a specific medication is not only the wrong mindset or it's a mindset you want to get away from, but it's actually kind of faulty thinking. And again, don't take this judgmental, just really listen carefully because we try to give you excellent pearls of wisdom on this particular broadcast. So the mindset, if we're looking for a pill to fix the ill, is that a mindset that we think is the best that we can do? Compare that to our body's amazing ability to build antibodies, to build defenses, and remember how to do so. Remember last podcast, we talked about that adaptive, that memory uh, building immune system in ways that mankind still doesn't understand yet, and we never will. Wow, that's fascinating. Do we really think that we need to look for a pill to fix the ill? And what about lifestyle? What about lifestyle considerations? If we eat crummy We eat garbage foods, don't take care of ourselves, don't exercise, don't sleep well, and have an addiction to fear and stress and negative media. Do we think our immune system is going to be strong? Remember last time we talked about some considerations that we need to really think about in regard to whether to not to take vaccines or not. Well, the same considerations should be factored in when we talk about whether or not to take these medications. Listen, I'm going to remind you one more time. We talked about this in the previous podcast, but this is important. Considerations are as follows. 
what is the age or how youthful is our immune system? Does it respond like a child? Remember, children don't die per se very often from or with uh, coronavirus. What is the strength of our immune system? Does it respond with a robust, like an athlete? You know, athletes don't die from coronavirus. Is our nutrient status or nutritional protocol intake, is that good or bad? Because we know that nutrients drive all systems of the body, including the immune system. So if we eat a high calorie, uh, nutrient deficient processed food known as a standard American diet that has no nutrients, Regardless, our system does not have the buckets or the gas tank of nutrients from which to grab from to run. Now, what is your current health status? Are you, have you been ill? Have you, uh, are you immunocompromised by uh, cancer drugs, chemotherapy? Uh, are you taking immunosuppressant drugs? Is your system compromised? That would be a consideration. Uh, what is your innate immunity? Were you breastfed, bottle fed? Were you raised in the country? Were you raised in the city? That matters along the lines of your adaptive immune system as well. The adaptive basically is a learned system. If your system has been exposed to a lot as a child and you have good response, you probably have a good memory, a strong adaptive system, and that would be good to understand. Did you create antibodies? Were you infected by the SARS-CoV-2? Did you create antibodies from that in this current pandemic or endemic? Did you do that? And if you do and you know that, that would also tell you information. Perhaps your body has a good ability to respond. What is your current medication usage? We'll talk a lot about that in this podcast because all medications, not just these four I'm going to talk about, for the most part, have nutrient pullouts. And you need to understand that. I mean, this is not a side effect. These things do pull out nutrients. How fascinating is that? What is your mindset? I just spoke about that. Do you have the faith to believe that you can walk healed and be healed? That's important. And finally, as I mentioned to you in the last podcast, who you hang around with is important. You know, do you hang around people, ideas, concepts? Do you listen to things? Do you hear things? Do you speak things that sort of build faith or build fear, that build hope or hopelessness? And all that matters in regard to a consideration whether or not to take medications that are targeted and broadcasted and said to be cures for the coronavirus. Now, here are hearts. We're not saying to take these medications. We're not saying not to take these medications. We just want you to be fully informed on what these medications do. The first one I'm going to talk about is the inhaled corticosteroid called budesonide. Now, even one of our friends and colleagues pushes that. And let us just say this before I dive into these four, that each of these four may be of some use in an acute situation defined as you are suffering from some intense uh, symptoms that you just can't get over. And these considerations I just spoke of are not being met by you. You've been on a poor diet, you're in ill health, and you are suffering right now with multiple symptoms. These things might be of some benefit because of, hear this, all of them have a little bit of inhibitory effect, perhaps with inflammation, immune system response, or even they could slow down the speed of viral replication. So they all have some direct or indirect mechanisms that actually do that and can provide some benefit, hence 
They are talked about a lot by the medical establishment these days to be considered for primary usage. All we're saying is that mindset needs to change this. Why would we go there first when Hippocrates said clearly, who's the father of modern medicine, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. We believe food has these sufficient quantities of these essential nutrients, vitamins, minerals, fatty acids, amino acids that are required to make our systems run. So if we eat a good diet and supplement appropriately and do all the things we need to do, exercise, get sleep, and maintain stress management, we'd probably be okay. However, if we're not, these certainly could be used. But don't be misinformed because they do have nutrient pullouts. For example, let's talk about budesonide. Again, as I told you, it's an inhaled glucocorticoid. Uh, It does help prevent asthma attacks or sudden episodes of shortness of breath, wheezing or coughing, that's very common, but they will not stop an asthma attack that's already started. Keep that in mind. Common side effects. Now, I didn't pull this out of the wind or pull it out of the sky. I pulled this off of this drug insert. Common side effects include headache, nausea, stomach pain, gas, bloating, constipation, feeling tired, joint pain, acne, Cold symptoms such as stuffy nose, sneezing, or sore throat. That's the side effects. There are such things as nutrient pullout. So the following nutrients are pulled out of this particular when this particular medication is taken. Now, I'm going to also tell you briefly the symptoms of the pullout of these particular nutrients. The first nutrients is pulled out. From usage of budesonide is called vitamin B12. When you lose B12, we're talking about anemia, uh, fatigue, weakness, um, neuropathy, depression, confusion, memory loss, think brain stuff, poor appetite, incontinence, and even heart disease. The second one that's pulled out by budesonide is called calcium. We know calcium is important for bone. It's important for brain. So we're talking about osteoporosis. We're talking about tremors. We're talking about abnormal heart rhythm because it deals with the contraction. Thirdly, selenium. Selenium is important as an antioxidant. It's important for thyroid, hypotension. Uh, So people can get hypothyroid or low thyroid function simply by chronic use of this corticosteroid. Uh, constipation, weakened immunity, et cetera. Magnesium is another one that has to deal with the bone. There's 350 reactions of magnesium in our body. It's necessary to create energy. It's necessary to maintain energy, to preserve energy. So without that, we're going to have low energy. This also can affect the heart rhythm. It can cause elevation of blood sugar when you don't have enough magnesium. You can get personality changes. That would be like mood, uh, migraine headaches, and PMS, ladies. Vitamin D is also pulled out. Vitamin D is important for brain health. Um, osteomalacia, uh, osteoporosis, weakness, bone pain, heart disease, weight gain, diabetes risk would be increased, as well as cancer risk and hypertension, among others, including depression. Potassium is also pulled out. Potassium deals with weakness, fatigue, uh, indigestion, again, abnormal heart rhythm. Think about your electrolytes. Folic acid is pulled out. Tongue inflammation, poor appetite, shortness of breath, diarrhea, irritability could be uh, increased susceptibility to birth defects, etc. Lowered ability to repair DNA. Zinc is pulled out. You hear a lot about zinc being necessary, but in this case, budesonide pulls it out. Poor wound healing, weakened immunity, 
taste abnormalities. A lot of people lose their taste. Why do they lose their taste? Perhaps because they lose their zinc. And if they lose their zinc, because budesonides pull out, is pulling it out, don't think you won't lose your taste. Erectile dysfunction. As again, I told you already in a previous podcast that some of those ACE2 receptors are on the testes, which can affect that, but now this compounds that effect as well. Hair loss, diarrhea, amenorrhea, and even white spots on your fingernails. If you see white spots on your fingernails, not just the bottom curve, but as the spots go up, you will know there's a zinc deficiency. And finally, vitamin C. We know when vitamin C reaches below the RDA levels, we can have that disease called scurvy. Vitamin C is important for energy, um, wound healing as well, adrenal function, arthritis, depression, iron deficiency, because it helps make and absorb iron, um, asthma, believe it or not, and increased cancer risk. So those are just the nutrient pullouts the side effects, and the mechanisms of actions of budesonide. Now, what about azithromycin? It's not that long. This is an antibiotic. Uh, common side effects of this, you know, antibiotics, they basically, they kill bacteria. Uh, the problem with antibiotics is they kill not just the, the bacteria you want to kill, but they'll kill other bacteria as well. Antibiotics do have their purposes and uses, but many times they're overused in the sense they're overprescribed like candy. And therefore, we have all kinds of symptoms where we have low diversity in our gut microbiota, which leads to all kinds of things, including obesity, leaky gut, brain diseases, GI diseases, cancers, etc. Common side effects of azithromycin usage is this stomach upset. Diarrhea, loose stools kind of make sense, nausea, vomiting, or abdominal pain. It pulls out, and I won't go into what they do again, vitamin B12. Talked about that earlier. It also pulls out vitamin B6, which when vitamin B6 goes out, you're going to get more irritable, more depression, more PMS, poor concentration, memory loss, and yes, heart disease, including fatigue. It pulls out biotin, which is also a B vitamin, if you know, is actually vitamin B7. Hair loss, loss of hair color. You want to have gray hair? Perhaps you should take a lot of azithromycin or antibiotics. Dermatitis, dry skin, depression, numbness, fatigue, and insomnia. Vitamin K, you can get excessive bleeding. Vitamin K is also important for bones. So that would lead to osteoporosis. I talked about potassium. It pulls out that as well. It pulls out niacin, vitamin B3. Niacin is important for memory. When it gets down and low, diabetes risk goes up. Um, fatigue goes up, canker sores, vomiting, depression, cracked scaly skin, dementia, and even diarrhea. Obviously, it's going to kill your good bacteria, so your probiotics are going to get uh, pulled out as well, which can lead to the symptoms we talked about earlier. That would be direct. And then we have thiamine, which is vitamin B1. That is tied to fatigue, uh, irritability, memory confusion, heart rhythm, poor coordination, indigestion, decreased stomach acid, and even poor appetite. And then finally, the last one in azithromycin is vitamin B2, which is known as riboflavin. Uh, that one, when that gets pulled out, you can get gingivitis, eye irritation, itching eyes, sensitive light, uh, lowered ability to repair DNA, uh, dermatitis, fatigue, indigestion, migraines, and headaches. So that's going to be the azithromycin.
And the last two I'm going to talk about, the next one's going to be ivermectin. Ivermectin is sort of the new kid on the block. Uh, I heard somebody the other day, I heard him say, hey, Mark, uh, they've got ivermectin at the, uh, at the animal feed store. I should get some and take it. And I'm thinking, why? Do you have worms? And the person just looked at me and laughed because ivermectin is an anti-parasitic. It is used, get this, to treat a certain parasitic roundworm. That's what it's for. Does it have positive effects? Of course, as I said at the top of this broadcast, yes, these do indirectly, and they can, based upon various mechanisms, inhibit or slow viral replication. In this case, that's what this one does. Some of the side effects on this one include and are associated with ivermectin use include skin rash, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, stomach pain, facial or limb swelling, neurologic adverse events such as dizziness, seizures, confusion, drops in blood pressure, skin rashes, potentially requiring hospitalization, and even liver injury. So that is ivermectin. Again, it's used for parasitic roundworms uh, infections. If you feel like you got roundworms, you probably need some potentially ivermectin. Hydroxychloroquine. This one kind of was the first one to come out way back in the spring. Everybody needs to take hydroxychloroquine. It is an immune suppressant. I need to say that one more time. It's an immune suppressant. It will not strengthen your immune system. It actually weakens the response. So you can see where this would be potentially applicable if you have an over acting or overarching immune system, it would slow down that. Is that good long-term? I guess you can be the judge of that. So hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine are FDA-approved drugs to treat or prevent malaria. So usage for COVID-19 would be considered off-label. Hydroxychloroquine is also used to treat other autoimmune or autoimmune conditions such as chronic discoid lupus, uh, systemic lupus, and rheumatoid arthritis. So again, it's trying to shut those things down a little bit. And that is makes a lot of sense because in those conditions that are autoimmune, it means the body is wearing itself out. Side effects of this one include nausea, vomiting, loss of appetite, diarrhea, dizziness, or headache. The bottom line is it's mindset. We need a lot look for a pill for an ill. That's dangerous territory. So these are things to keep in mind. I hope this has been informative, a little bit of a short podcast here, but we wanted to hit those points. If you have any questions, reach out to us. You can find us on Sherwood.tv. There's newsletters there. There's information about this podcast, previous episodes you can get a hold of and look at. Go back and listen to the vaccine and mechanism of actions on that, the ingredients. That's a great episode. Put it all together. Make decisions. Use with wisdom and information and clarification. And finally, with a lot of prayer. Hopefully you enjoyed this. We look forward to seeing you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link. Bye for now.